Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 8.21 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is the 16th of July, 2021. This is episode 456 of Bitcoin and... Fuck you, Greg. Just... Dude. Really. Honestly. No, he asked me to say that. He actually wrote wrote me or wrote a uh, tweet today. And we're talking about Greg Zaj, if you don't know. G-R-E-G-Z-A-J-1 on Twitter. One of the meme lords over there at Strike says he's still waiting on me to do a good morning. This is David Bennett and fuck you, Greg. Well, Greg, I can't do the good morning part because that's a pre-recorded line that I really have to change. The only reason I, I mean, it's, it's been there for three years. I mean, it's like the intro is like literally three years old. I mean, come on, dude. I, I got to change that. So maybe, maybe I'll change it and have it where I can slide one in where it just says, good morning. This is David Bennett and uh, fuck you, Greg. So I did my best. Hey, hey, you know, give me a break. Let's get right into it. Bitcoin bounces off 31,000 after Bank of America greenlights BTC futures trading. This is William Suberg, Cointelegraph. <coughs> Excuse me. Data from Cointelegraph Markets Pro and TradingView showed uh, the BTC USD pair repeatedly testing, but so far not breaking through the $31,000 mark on Friday. A late surge to near 32,000 then entered as unconfirmed reports surfaced the Bank of America had given the go-ahead for Bitcoin trading futures. Uh, Market participants held mixed opinions about the short-term outlook with popular trader Michael Vandepop noting on Thursday that 31,000 was something of a final frontier for Bitcoin. Lose it and 29,000 and even 24,000 would logically be next. Fellow trader Crypto Ed also appeared undecided on the day. Earlier in the week, he had argued that Bitcoin could stage a shock rebound and hit its range highs of, of sorry, $42,000 before reversing downwards yet again to challenge $30,000 support. Quote, BTC making new lows is invalidating the idea of continuation of that bounce, he wrote in an update. Even a come down from the U.S. dollar currency index traditionally inversely correlated with BTC is unlikely to help bulls significantly, he added. Meanwhile, new data showed considerable on-chain activity having occurred at current price levels. According to on-chain monitoring resource Glassnode, 9.9% of the Bitcoin supply moved between 31,000 and 34,300, a clear zone of interest for both buyers and sellers. Quote, this is now convincingly the largest realized volume cluster since $12,000, the firm commented. Uh, Previously, Cointelegraph noted that $30,000 itself forms an important level in the minds of both small and large traders whose behavior has flipped from a sell to a buy mentality in recent weeks. 
a look at altcoins. <laughs> Do we have to? Meanwhile, underscored the lack of bullish sentiment across cryptocurrency markets as the week came to a close. Most of the top 50 shitcoins by market cap saw heavier losses than BTC, these reaching up to 12% amid an absence of price triggers. Ethereum, the largest shitcoin, was heading to a crucial support zone of its own around 1800. The start of a new accumulation period was now very likely, Vanderpop said in a YouTube update on Thursday, prior to volatility re-entering. Nah, Bitcoin's rising dominance hitting 46% on the day added to the altcoin's woes. Okay, once and for all, people, say it with me. Your shitcoin doesn't do shit without Bitcoin doing it first. If Bitcoin moves down, all the altcoins do move down. If Bitcoin moves up, all the altcoins move up. This sentence right here is what I'm is is really what's triggering me. Ethereum, the largest shitcoin, was heading to a crucial support zone of its own at around 1800. It's not a you don't have support zones if you're a shitcoin. You do not. You, whatever your relative percentage price of your of, of the shitcoin in your bag is of Bitcoin's price, then all that's your all your oh god, you know I'm, I know I'm confusing you. It doesn't matter what your shitcoin is. It doesn't matter what you think your own support zone is. It doesn't exist. What it is, is you're riding the coattails of Bitcoin. Bitcoin goes down, you go down. Bitcoin goes up, you go up. You don't, Bitcoin hits its support zone, you're hitting your support zone. It's not about your shitcoin. It's about Bitcoin. My God almighty, people. Who doesn't know this by now? The good people over at Blue Wallet know it by now. They're releasing a new mobile lightning dev kit implementation. Yeehaw, Nomsios has it for Bitcoin Magazine. Blue Wallet a Bitcoin wallet focused on usability and user experience has announced its new mobile Lightning Network implementation based on the Lightning Dev Kit. The RNLDK implementation brings an open source lightweight Lightning node to React Native, a popular programming language for developing mobile applications. It is powered by LDK, a flexible Lightning implementation written in the Rust programming language. One feature Blue Wallet will provide its users with a new integration, which is demonstrated in the announcement, is the ability to open and fund a lightning channel from your mobile phone directly from an offline air-gapped hardware wallet, leveraging PSBTs or partially signed Bitcoin transactions. PSBTs are the standard defined in BIP-174 that allows two or more people or devices to collaborate in creating, funding, signing, and broadcasting a Bitcoin transaction. At its core, PSBTs make it possible for people to more freely pass around a transaction, update its details, and sign it once it's ready to be sent. As a result, it allows for air-gap devices to participate in signing the transaction, for instance, letting an online client such as Blue Wallet broadcast it. Another feature relates uh, to backing up lightning channels managed by the wallet. The company shared that encrypted backups can be stored in the cloud, allowing the user to more quickly restore their lightning wallet and all of its channels on another device through a mnemonic, a mnemonic backup phrase. Wow, okay, that's, all right, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna pause right there for a sec. That can sound really, really bad. I, I get it, I do, uh, because you're you know putting stuff in the cloud. Um, but here's here's the deal. If I go through it, let's say that that I want to uh, let's let's look at it this way. 
let's say that I want to bail out of the United States and just get the fuck out, right? Because that could that could be happening. I, the way this country is going is just getting so pathetic. And um, I want to be able to like I, take a shit ton of money with me, and I want to load them up into a bunch of lightning channels because by this time. Uh, that I'm uh, by the time that I would actually want to set foot outside of the United States, lightning is going to be way, way, way more used than than it is now, even though it's already being used very well. So I just opened up a whole shit ton of lightning channels on my phone, go to the airport, wipe my phone, and then like let's say they start asking me questions like, "Do you have any Bitcoin on you?" And I just go, "No," and they go, oh, "Unlock your phone, prove it." Boom, boom, boom. Here you go, and there's like nothing on my phone. Blue Wallet's not even there. I just I I completely deleted the app. I get to El Salvador. I go over and hang out with Jack Mallers over at Bitcoin Beach, and that's where I opened all my shit back up. This is this is the way that this is going to work. This is the way. This is why regulatory arbitrage has never been so pow- so powerful as it is today. Back in the past. Because regulatory arbitrage, you had to carry your shit with you. It was physical. It could be confiscated. Now it can't. Let's get on with this. The go-to server infrastructure utilized by Blue Wallet's new implementation is Electrum, which it uses to quickly sync with the Bitcoin blockchain. Although Electrum is a reasonably popular and established solution, this process leaks user addresses to the Electrum server bridging the user's mobile wallet with the Bitcoin peer-to-peer network. As a result, it effectively hurts user privacy and sovereignty as a third party would be in charge of validating transactions. However, Blue Wallet does give the user the option to use their own server, a typical setup in which they configure their own Electrum personal server. This works by having a Bitcoin node running on the user's computer and a local EPS, bridging it with a remote wallet such as Blue Wallet. In such an arrangement, the user's own full node would validate and broadcast their transactions while preserving their privacy and enduring, uh, or sorry, ensuring adherence to Bitcoin consensus rules. Such an option is essential for Lightning in particular because the network <coughs> excuse me, is designed to scale the Bitcoin network as a second layer protocol and increase privacy by leveraging smart contracts to abstract small, frequent payments away from the Bitcoin base layer. Lightning is positioned to reduce fees and increase transactional confidentiality and speed. But although only channel opening and closing transactions are recorded on the blockchain, all Lightning transactions still make sure to adhere to the rules of the Bitcoin protocol. But part of these Lightning network benefits can be compromised if the user opts to utilize a custodial wallet where the company would be in charge of handling the user's funds, transactions, and information. Only if the user <clears throat> chooses to use their own node to validate and broadcast transactions, such as using Blue Wallet RNLDK with an EPS, would they be better positioned to ensure individual sovereignty and privacy and adherence to Bitcoin consensus as an actual peer. So good on you, Blue Wallet. <clears throat> you guys just go ahead and roll. And maybe they'll be able to facilitate tax payments because that's what the Tennessee uh, <clears throat> city mayor wants to do. Uh, Tennessee city wants to accept property tax payments in Bitcoin. Helen Parts has it <clears throat> for Corn Telegraph. United States city of Jackson, Tennessee continues exploring a potential dive into cryptocurrencies, now looking to accept Bitcoin for property tax payments. Jackson Mayor Scott Conger announced late Thursday that the city's blockchain task force had launched a study on potential methods to accept property tax payments in Bitcoin in the city. 
The blockchain group will also explore how to allow employees to dollar cost average Bitcoin or purchase smaller amounts of Bitcoin over regular time intervals. Dollar cost averaging Bitcoin purchases are considered to be the best strategy for accumulating Bitcoin. Multiple studies have confirmed. Conger earlier took to Twitter to blast the ongoing inflation and the United States dollar devaluation, arguing that Bitcoin is the only one fix for this. Ah, <laughs> I love this guy. The latest announcement brings an update to Jackson's broader crypto-related plans announced by Conger in April. The city has been actively exploring options to pay city employees in cryptocurrency, adopting Bitcoin mining operations, and adding Bitcoin on the city's balance sheet. Conger previously hinted that the city could also be looking to enable payments in several other digital coins like a th oh god shitcoin one and shitcoin two. I'm not even going to mention their freaking name. As previously reported, Mayor Conger followed in the steps of Miami Mayor Francis Suarez, who has been pushing the city of Miami to adopt tax and salary payments in Bitcoin. Conger is also known for adopting laser eyes, a part of the crypto community's flash mob supporting Bitcoin's potential price surge up to $100,000. At the time of writing, Bitcoin uh, writing Bitcoin is trading at 31732 So there you go, man. Uh, other than his, <clears throat> the inevitable shit coinery that all these guys get into when they start getting into Bitcoin, uh, this is probably some, this is good stuff. It's just the shit coin part it makes me kind of ill and sick and nauseous and whatnot. Now, Paraguay's proposed Bitcoin bill. We've got some more information on it. Now, let's see exactly what's going on here from Bitcoin Magazine's Nick Hoffman. In a WhatsApp conversation I had with Paraguayan Congressman Carlitos Rejala, he shared the draft of a bill meant to regulate Bitcoin in Paraguay. Quote, with this, we want to welcome the innovation of cryptocurrencies in Paraguay to the world, Rejala said over WhatsApp, quote, this is the result of a very strong and arduous teamwork of many experts in the field, both local and foreign. A translated version of the bill proposal refers to Bitcoin and other shitcoins as virtual assets, crypto active and cryptocurrency. Oh, that's just bizarre. I'm not going to read the bill, by the way. I'll, I'll get into that one later, maybe tomorrow or uh, Monday. This bill was eight pages long, filled with 22 articles, which was worked on in conjunction with Senator Silva Facetti. The bill is much longer than the bill El Salvador wrote, voted into law, recognizing Bitcoin as legal tender, which didn't include as many individual regulations. The proposed bill suggests Paraguay's legislature legislators are seeking tight control over Bitcoin mining in the country, attempting to offer investor protection from Bitcoin businesses <clears throat> and specifically indicating that Bitcoin is not recognized as legal tender. Okay, that's the, the, the takeaway, dude. As mentioned in Article 5, a proposal or proposed virtual asset mining license granted by the powers of the Ministry of Industry and Trade would be required for any entity mining Bitcoin. Article 10 goes into more detail, stating that those who want to mine Bitcoin must request the authorization of industrial electricity consumption. Then, after the bill had been obtained, they can, after the, wait, but then, after that has been obtained, they can then request the authorization license for the industrial exploitation for Bitcoin mining. The bill wants to protect uh, Bitcoin investors as well. Article 11 states that those providing the sales of Bitcoin are prohibited from selling, assigning, or transferring their property 
giving as a loan or guarantee or affecting the use and enjoyment of the virtual assets that they manage or guard for third parties without the express authorization of the owner. Yeah, we call those private keys, dude. Get get with the times. This would seemingly protect Bitcoin investors whose private keys are in the possession of a business like an exchange or bank from having their Bitcoin fractionally reserved or otherwise used without their consent. <clears throat> Article 3 of the bill defines Bitcoin as property as it is defined in many other countries, reassuring that it can officially be bought, sold, and licensed. And Article 14 clarified that Bitcoin would not be recognized as legal tender, stating that, quote, the virtual assets trading entities must inform the acquirer of the trading conditions with virtual assets, expressly notifying that the virtual assets are not recognized as legal tender. Therefore, they are not backed by the Central Bank of Paraguay. And okay, so Nick Hoffman ends his article right there. However, so this is, this is a different... This is quite a different beast, is what I'm trying to get out here, than the uh, El Salvadoran bill, uh, or that is now the Bitcoin law. Um, and I kind of wanted to see, I honestly kind of wanted to see a country adopt Bitcoin without legal tender status as an experiment to uh, compare to, you know, so that we can see these different implementations of Bitcoin. That's the beauty of Bitcoin. You can implement it however the fuck you want to implement it. Bitcoin itself actually doesn't give a shit. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if this, well, this has got to pass first. I mean, right now it's just in bill form and I don't know when it's going to go on the floor to be, you know, debated. I have no idea what the timeline is. If you do, please reach out. I am B E N N D seven, seven on Twitter and, uh, give me the skinny on all that stuff. Now a digital dollar doesn't fix this says clown Jerome Powell. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, federal reserve chair, Jerome Powell. Uh, <clears throat> thinks a central bank digital currency would obsolete Bitcoin. <laughs> oh, you poor dumb son of a bitch. During his testimony yesterday afternoon in front of the U.S. Financial Services Committee, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell commented on the impending central bank digital currency to be launched by the Fed and how, in his mind, it would compete with other cryptocurrencies and stablecoins. Quote, you wouldn't need stablecoins. You wouldn't need cryptocurrencies if you had a digital U.S. currency. End quote. The fact of the matter is that the difference between a central bank issued currency and Bitcoin in particular is not a technical one, but rather one of governance. A digital dollar is not all that different from the so-called analog dollar today, except that the fact that it will probably include less privacy assurances, more censorship, and more direct control over supply and monetary issues uh, or issuance. Bitcoin is valuable because no one can change or manipulate the hard cap of 21 million or the supply issuance. Bitcoin is a monetary asset and as, it, as is, is uncensorable, unseizable, and unable to be manipulated. Anybody can run a node and audit the entire monetary supply with a cheap computer. Contrast this with what the digital dollar would come with. Unlimited potential supply, one single full node, token airdrops to politically connected insiders. In crypto, that is what is known as a shitcoin. The fact of the matter is that the United States dollar is a far inferior monetary asset than Bitcoin, <clears throat> and pricing Bitcoin in other denominations shows exactly this. Below is the chart of the BTC USD pair over the course of the past five years. But what, it, and they, of course, they show it, it's just a price chart of Bitcoin. 
But what if instead of pricing Bitcoin in dollars, you use the M2 monetary or money supply as a denomination? The problem with pricing any asset in dollars over the long run is that the actual value of a dollar is malleable due to the potential or perpetual supply inflation. When the assumption that the dollar is a unit of measurement is fixed in value over time, the chart begins to tell a different story. Adjust for M2 money stock, the price of Bitcoin has already retested the 2017 all-time high. It is an important, or it is important to remember that not only is Bitcoin accruing value doing it during its monetization phase, but simultaneously the value is debasing in perpetuity. Yeah, so they have a, they have a, the a, a graph of the of the M2 money stock, and by a, my God Almighty, dudes, this is just. This is insane. It's just been a level up until the COVID thing, and then it's just a spike straight up into the stratosphere as to how much money they're actually unloading on us poor dumb sons of bitches out here on the street. Let's move on because the ECB says a digital euro will be more climate-friendly than Bitcoin. So on the heels of Jerome Powell saying that the digital dollar is better than Bitcoin, we have shitcoin country number two, the entire European uh, Union, saying that, no, no, their money will obsolete Bitcoin. Oh, yeah, here we go, guys, here we go. Thomas M. for BTC Times. Likely, to nobody's surprise, ECB research on the concept of a central bank digital currency has now reached its next step, the official launch of a digital euro project. In November of last year, the ECB had initially launched a public survey asking citizens for their opinions and preferences with regards to a number of topics related to the issuance of CBDCs. The next step will involve a 24-month investigation phase, which, <clears throat> according to a press release published on Wednesday, will be used to address key issues regarding design and distribution. The ECB is jumping on the bandwagon of the CBDC trend that has gripped a steadily growing number of central banks around the world. While only a few pilot projects are active today, China's central bank having been among, amongst the first to launch one, Many countries have begun looking into central bank digital currencies. In its press announcement, the ECB hints at potentially using the euro system target instant payment settlement or TIPS or a blockchain for the digital euro, both of which were proven capable of processing more than 40,000 transactions per second. End quote. It's not clear which blockchain or blockchains the ECB is considering for its pursuit. The ECB further writes that its experiments also suggested that architectures combining centralized and decentralized elements are possible, notably by the definition of its key features, which would include intermediaries and strict KYC and AML requirements. It's pretty much impossible for the digital euro to become a decentralized project. A combination of centralized and decentralized features would most likely not add any notable level of decentralization to any digital coin. In the release of as well, on, oh good lord, as the release, as well as on its official Twitter account, the ECB took to lash out against Bitcoin once more, writing that its experimental work has shown that the energy needs of the infrastructure would be negligible compared with the energy consumption and environmental footprint of crypto assets such as Bitcoin, end quote. The statement <clears throat> unsurprisingly drew an immediate reaction, which, as of roughly two hours after the ECB published the announcement, has been largely critical. No, you think, dude? <laughs> oh, but Greg Zaz is, in, Zaz is in there, huh? A digital euro is not achieving and not even required to achieve the same properties of Bitcoin. So 
Of course, it doesn't need proof of work. Twitter user Thomas Rossi commented on the claims. Others criticized the central bank for its claims that weren't visibly backed by data that would warrant the statement to the ECB's comments that it has already identified possible ways to protect privacy. BTC Pay server founder Nicholas Doria responded, only we can see it is not protecting privacy. Wait a minute, let's see. Only we can see it is not protecting privacy. Oh, I kind of expected more out of Nicholas. This is this is the guy that uh, tweeted it, whatever that company, BitPay or something like that. Uh, th this is lies. I will obsolete you and start a BTC Pay server. So I expected something a little stronger to the ECB. I'm just telling th these guys straight up to go fuck themselves. I don't care anymore. I'm like, they put out something, anything stupid, and I'm just like, I, I'm just as venomous in to them as, as humanly possible. And I'm sure, and so many of us are, by the way, in case you hadn't ever seen Bitcoin Twitter, um, I, all of us just don't give a shit anymore. We're not being polite. We're not being respectful because they don't deserve to, uh, our politeness. They don't reserve, deserve our respect. They get nothing from me, but pure acid. I don't give a shit anymore. I told the, po the POTUS President of the United States, after he tweeted something, to fuck straight off. Fuck you, Mr. President. I'm sure that he doesn't actually see those tweets because he's probably too decrepit to actually see the screen at this point. But still, you know, that's that's the kind of shit that, that you know, back in the 50s, you would never say to a sitting president. And now they have they have lost our respect to the point, whether it's ECB, the, you know, I don't know, like people, like the president of the United States, you know, like the president of China, I tell, I told him to fuck straight off. I don't give a shit anymore. These people don't deserve your respect. They don't deserve your time. They don't deserve your energy. Leave them alone to die. They're going to, hopefully they'll die really soon. Hey, guess what? Let's, let's run some numbers. Flammable liquids recovering a bit after the last few days. West Texas Intermediate <coughs> is up one-third of a point to $71.90 a barrel. Brent North Sea, likewise, up a quarter of a point, $73.66. Natural gas is up over one and a half points to $3.67. And gasoline is up eight cents uh, to $2.25 a gallon. These, of course, are all futures, if, if you didn't know. Uh, most of the shiny metal rocks are down. Uh, gold is down a quarter of a point, $1,824.60. Silver is likewise down, but m way more, uh, over a point, down to $26.12. <clears throat> Platinum is down one and a third. Copper is the only shiny metal rock making gains, up 0 0.07. And palladium is down over a point and a half. Wheat making gains, uh, almost 2% to the upside. Uh, soybeans are also up, but one and a third to the upside. The corn is up almost a point. Sugar's up half a point. And coffee is up, God, 2.1%. Uh, cotton's up almost a point, And rough rice, likewise, is up three quarters of a point. Uh, Dow futures, 17% uh, or 17%, 0.17% to the upside on futures. S&P is up a, a quarter and NASDAQ futures up a half and the S&P mini is up one third. Let's talk about real money, which is at a price of $31,811.38. <clears throat>
one quarter of a million transactions have been made in the last 24 hours. Average transaction per hour is 9,347. And a half a million Bitcoin have been sent over the last 24 hours. That's 21,500 Bitcoin on average per hour. While the average transaction value is 2.29 BTC, the median of the transaction value is 0.025 BTC or about $800. Block times are low. You heard me right. Block times are again low. Finally, nature heals itself. Nine minutes and 36 seconds is the block time at this point. We have 0.14 BTC coming in as fees on a per block basis and 21 and a half BTC overall for fees in the last 24 hours. And that we, we've actually had a, a drop in hash rate of 13 and a half percent, ladies and gentlemen. We, but we are still hovering just, just under 100 ter- or exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator, God help you if you bought in at 70 cents when Elon was helping you out because uh, you're now down to 18 cents US. And honestly, it should be $0.0018 or I mean uh, pennies instead of dollars. That shitcoin, and Elon was at it again, either yesterday or late the day before, you know, later in the day, the day before, saying that something like about transaction speeds and I swear to god it was like being in 2016 all over again. He was saying that he's saying the same shit all the time that we've already been through this. You know, god almighty people, Clark Moody showing ooh 1900 transactions are waiting on one block to clear. <laughs> We are down. Oh, we we have lost our six hundred billion dollar market capitalization. We're down to five hundred ninety six point three billion, which is pegged right at five percent of gold's market cap. We can buy seventeen point four ounces of shiny metal rock with our one bitcoin, of which there are eighteen million seven hundred fifty seven thousand nine hundred thirty five and a quarter of. 1,846.15 of those are in the Lightning Network at a capacity value of $58.7 million being run over 12,524 nodes and uh, having 55,699 total channels that we know about. Percentage of Tor capacity has dropped slightly, 68.6%. That means there's 1,266.5 BTC in the Tor side of the Lightning Network, and that's being run over 7,000 202 nodes that we know about. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. We'll kick this one off with Coindesk's. Uh, who's writing this one? It's probably, oh, Jamie Crowley's writing this one. Bitcoin to become dominant in global finance by 2050. Most panelists in new studies say, okay, kind of a contrast to what Jerome Powell and the the felon, um, uh, what's her name, Lagarde is saying. So Bitcoin is seen becoming the dominant force in global finance by 2050, according to 54% of panelists in the survey by personal finance site Finder. A full 44% say it will never happen. Quote, <clears throat> Bitcoin price prediction report is well, actually that's not a quote that's the name of the report it was published yesterday in canvas 42 panelists from finance technology and academia some respondents 15 percent see the that point 
labeled hyper-Bitcoinization in the study occurring as early as 2035. Adoption by the developing world is seen as the key driver with 33% of respondents saying Bitcoin will become the currency of choice in developing nations within 10 years. A further 21% say that level of adoption is more than 21 years away. Quote, the momentum will only pick up, said Amber CEO Alex Svetsky, citing El Salvador's decision to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender and its wide use in Venezuela as a means of beating hyperinflation. Quote, the beauty is also that these broken nations will transform faster than major nations as Bitcoin undermines the nation-state model, end quote. The panel predicted Bitcoin's price will have climbed to $318,000 by December of 2025. That's 61% higher than in a similar survey conducted in December 2020. So there we go. There we go. Yeah, quite a contrast to what the ECB and Jerome Powell is saying, huh? Oh, well. Law schools. Uh, God, law schools should be teaching Bitcoin to students. Yeah. Yeah, they should. They're doing their students a disservice if you're not actually let, uh, teaching how this is going to work to people that are going into law because by the time they get out, they're going to wish they had. I guarantee it. Uh, who's writing this one? Andrew Rossau is writing it for Bitcoin Magazine. As the pandemic forced many lawyers to work remotely, more law school students are signing up for legal tech courses to enhance their abilities in a rapidly evolving job market. The pandemic certainly presented a new challenge for the legal landscape as courtrooms and firms just weren't prepared to go remote and were forced to adopt new digital technologies as basics as basic as Zoom and Microsoft Teams. With more law students feeling comfortable leveraging video conferencing platforms, there seems to be a bigger focus on how technologies like Bitcoin can help solve legal challenges, but with little execution by little by many law schools having conversations about blockchain help students explore more fundamental questions about finance and transactions, both in the United States and abroad. These are questions that help us understand what Bitcoin is about. Here are three reasons why in our post-pandemic world, law schools should be teaching their students about the world of Bitcoin. Number one, stop teaching to the bar exam and start preparing students for the real world. When it comes to preparing students for the bar exam, law schools and academics need to step it up. As it stands today, there just aren't enough academics that are currently engaged in research on Bitcoin or, or any other digital currency for that matter. Law schools have an obligation to their students to not only prepare them for the bar exam, but to also be competent to sit for job interviews, whether you take a traditional or non-traditional legal route. Often what we see is that when a student graduates law school, they have only been trained to take the bar exam and nothing more. There is very little real world experience, even with an internship, clerkship, or externship under their belt. The universities such as Massachusetts Institute of Technology, Cornell, Stanford, Harvard, Columbia, New York University, uh, University of Texas at Austin, Vanderbilt, and Georgetown have all implemented their own curricula teaching students about the world of Bitcoin, digital currency, and blockchain technologies, but are they teaching it in a way that is of value to students and prepare them to graduate and apply for jobs? Probably not, but it's a start in comparison to those lower-ranked universities that seem to be setting law and graduate students up for failure. I can tell you that when I graduated law school in 2015, I was not prepared for these newer technologies. I had to teach myself and ended up returning as an adjunct law professor to teach Bitcoin and Blockchain 101 to my cyberspace law students at the end of the semester, hoping to give them advantage over their classmates. Number two, 
Understanding regulatory bodies help provide for a more competent lawyer. While attorneys are a self-governing trade, it is equally as important to understand the regulatory bodies and institutions that attorneys may come across in practice. Institutions like the Department of Treasury, Securities and Exchange Commission, and even Congress play a very big role in the future of Bitcoin and the expansion of our traditional financial system. So let's explore some of the more relevant governing bodies as they relate to Bitcoin governance. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. Since as early as 1934, the SEC has been tasked with overseeing the trading of various assets on the market, previously focused on stocks and bonds. In recent years, the SEC added cryptocurrency, including Bitcoin, to its purview, helping to regulate U.S. exchanges. The SEC has an extensive jurisdictional reach with the power to introduce less or more stringent laws regarding cryptocurrencies, take legal action against fraudulent individuals or companies, and prevent launches of dubious initial coin offerings. The regulatory holdup, so to speak, from the eyes of the SEC comes from its hesitation to avoid over-regulating cryptocurrencies given how new technology is uh, in mainstream commerce. While many consider the SEC to be opposed to the technology, it has expressed numerous times its optimism for digital currency, indicating its desire to apply the entire spectrum of securities laws to both the physical and virtual aspects of the crypto market. In the eyes of the SEC and the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, Bitcoin is considered to be a commodity with respect to the Howey test. Whereas the SEC is focused on various securities traded in the United States, the Commodity Futures Trading Commission is an independent agency of the United States government that regulates the U.S. derivatives market, which includes futures, swaps, and certain kind of options. In March of 2018, a federal judge ruled that digital assets such as Bitcoin should be viewed as commodities and can be regulated by CFTC. Since the groundbreaking ruling, the agency has provided instructions to cryptocurrency exchanges and similar entities launching cryptocurrency derivatives. The approval of Bitcoin-backed futures and derivatives remains the CFTC's biggest decision in the United States as it pertains to the space. Recently, the CFTC, along with the SEC, have warned investors of the risks of investing in funds with exposure to Bitcoin futures. Quote, investors should consider the volatility of Bitcoin and uh, the Bitcoin futures market, as well as the lack of regulation and potential for fraud or manipulation in the underlying Bitcoin market. Now we get to the United States Department of Treasury. As the Treasury is responsible for the country's flow of money, its policies and decisions regarding Bitcoin have started to make sweeping changes for purposes of tax collection and reporting. The Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, a smaller division of the Treasury, also issued a statement setting forth its approach to enforcing rules and regulations under the Bank Secrecy Act in efforts of minimizing and preventing money laundering. May, <clears throat> oh God, hold on. There's a bad, there's, there's, a, there's a period right in the middle of the sentence. Hold on. Yeah, it doesn't need to be there. Let's try that again. The Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, a smaller division of the Treasury, also issued a statement setting forth its approach to enforcing rules and regulations under the Bank Secrecy Act in efforts of minimizing and preventing money laundering, made crypto exchanges subject to the Bank Secrecy Act in order to prevent money laundering and other criminal dealings. Guys over at Bitcoin Magazine... You need you need better editors, dude. Hire, dude, you can hire my wife. She'll she'll do the shit for you. On July the sixth, twenty twenty one, FinCEN announced it recruited Michelle Corver, formerly of the United States Department of Justice, to serve as the agency's first digital currency advisor. Michael Mosier, 
that FinCEN's acting director commented on Corver's vast experience in helping craft digital currency legislation. Michelle, quote, Michelle brings a wealth of digital currency expertise and will be a tremendous leader in coordinated efforts to maximize FinCEN's contribution to the innovative potential for financial expansion of opportunities while main minimizing illicit financial risk, end quote. This is helpful for those students taking securities law courses or who intend to practice in the world of corporate law. Now to the IRS. The IRS previously stated in 2014 that digital assets like Bitcoin don't fall under the umbrella of real currencies and should instead be considered property for tax purposes. It has not changed its position uh, since its initial uh, decision in 2014. Consumers were shocked when the IRS indicated its intention to learn more about the property after it ordered Coinbase to hand over details on 14,000 of its users in February of 2018 in order to check the tax records for tax evasion. Back in March of 2020, former Coinbase Chief Legal Officer Brian Brooks was appointed as the then-acting comptroller of the currency serving from May 29. Uh, 2020 to January 2021, this signified the Treasury's seriousness towards understanding Bitcoin and that any subsequent legal and compliance programs would be tailored towards these technologies. One major body to follow is the subsidiary of the United States Congress. The U.S. House Financial Services Committee, which oversees why and how other agencies like the IRS and FinCEN will continue addressing Bitcoin and its counterparts. This is just a hand-selected number of agencies that are involved in the world of Bitcoin and digital money. It's not an exclusive list. For a quick review, here's a list of the regulatory bodies and their leaders under the current Biden administration. You got Treasury, you got Secretary, uh, or well, sorry, you got the Treasury, Janet Yellen. You got the SEC, and that's Gary Gensler. You got CFTC with Rostin Benham, OCC with Michael Hu, or Hsu. FinCEN, Michael Mosier, Office of Foreign Assets Control, Andrea Gacki, Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, Jelena McWilliams, and the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, Dave Ayuho. There's no way I can pronounce this one. No matter the trade that you're in, attorneys should understand the concept of regulation on Bitcoin by bodies, such as the SEC and the House Financial Services Committee. Understanding the importance and distinction between an IPO and an ICO kind of makes a difference. Now, number three, your ethical obligations may one day depend on it. Regardless of what area of law you are practicing, you are bound to come across a client who mentions the words cryptocurrency, digital assets, or Bitcoin. And according to the ethical rules, a lawyer shall provide competent presentation to a client. What this means is that attorneys are required to have the legal knowledge, skill, thoroughness, and preparation reasonably necessary for adequately representing their client. In other words, if you aren't familiar with the concept of Bitcoin and why it's important in areas involving criminal law, real estate contracts, entertainment securities, and every other legal landscape it touches, you better make sure your malpractice insurance is up to damn date because those are not the waters you're headed to if you aren't prepared. Oh my God. Oh, that's a scary thought, honestly. And it's more than just saying the word Bitcoin. You need to be prepared to have a real conversation about it because an answer of I'm not familiar with that or I don't believe that comes into play just won't cut it when it comes to ensuring that you are holding up your ethical obligation to your client. Take corporate law where, traditionally speaking, the stock market and mainstream financial instruments were the centers of conversation, but not necessarily anymore. In applying concepts of Bitcoin and other digital monies, 
this is already transforming how investors trade in, in applying concepts of Bitcoin and other digital money. This is already transforming how investors trade, changing discussions around liability and historical ownership of shares, diving a bit deeper into securities law, understanding how Bitcoin is viewed, regulated, and monitored by the SEC is imperative in competently practicing in this area of law. In the past five years, the SEC has taken serious steps in its effort to clarify the digital currency space by focusing on how Bitcoin impacts our global economy. At the end of the day, it is our academia that will serve to shape the future of consumer finance and the role Bitcoin, blockchain, and other digital asset technologies will play in our everyday lives. So honestly, if you're thinking, if you're listening to this and you're not in college yet and you wanna be a lawyer, find a school that specifically like interviews when you go to interview law schools make sure that they're going to teach you about bitcoin and if not run away because like that one that one paragraph that basically said that your malpractice insurance better be up to date because if you don't know what the fuck you're doing that's exactly what's going to happen is a malpractice lawsuit is going to be put on your ass and you won't be representing clients anymore because you'll lose that and it's going to hurt. And that's pretty much it for your ass. So you better start learning about Bitcoin, the laws and regulations that are coming, that have already been here in Bitcoin and the ones that are likely to come. And you got to keep a watch on it. And I honestly, I think the, the, I think the, uh, the best person that, or the person that's going to get the really, really cool law jobs are going to be people that are knowledgeable of Bitcoin and the law in multiple jurisdictions. That's right. Like you're going to need to learn exactly like, even though it's out of, out of the, you know, scope of the bar exam that you take, for instance, like in Texas, you better know what the fuck's going on in El Salvador on the legal landscape as it pertains to Bitcoin. You better know what's going on in Paraguay. And as, as these countries come online, if you're able to articulate very well, then you're going to end up in a really good position at being a lawyer that knows about this stuff. So if you're going to go to law school, make sure they're going to actually do their due diligence on Bitcoin and teach it to you. Binance stops stock token sales effective immediately, bitches. Mary Hewlett or Marie Hewlett's got it for a coin telegraph. Binance's highly popular stock tokens, a relatively recent offering are being wound down immediately. In an announcement published on Friday, the exchange announced that effective immediately, stock tokens are unavailable for purchase on Binance.com. As of October the 14th, 2021, at 7.55 p.m. UTC, the exchange will no longer support stock tokens at all. Existing stock token holders will have some time to adjust. Oh, joy. Let's see how they do that. Quote, users who currently hold stock tokens may sell or hold them over the next 90 days. Users will no longer be able to manually sell or close their positions after October the 14th, 2021. Thereafter, all stock token positions on Binance.com will be closed on the 15th of October at, uh, let's see, 1.30 p.m. UTC. Who are you going to sell it to? No, I'm serious, dude. It's like users who currently hold stock tokens which we are basically, you know, halting immediately, will no better sell them over the next 90 days. Well, who are you going to sell them to? Oh, God, see, this is why I Bitcoin. I don't have to worry about any of this bullshit. You shouldn't have to worry about any of this bullshit. 
one of the best things about Bitcoin is the fact that you can actually just save money and not have to be a, a financial technologist. You can just throw, throw 25 bucks a week into Bitcoin. Hell, that's what, I mean, that's what, I, that's what I do. I do it in a couple of different places, but you know, I, I, I'm not going all in. You know, I mean, when I mean all in, like, you know, every paycheck that I get or something like that, where I just automatically cash to Bitcoin, I don't need to. I just dollar cost average, bitches. I mean, that's all it takes. And we've, as usual, the, the hairy tree apes have made, you know, almost immediately found a way to make it complicated with shit like sushi swap and trading yield curves on fruit coin and all that bullshit. And who, honestly, I ain't got time. That's why I DCA into Bitcoin. I don't have to worry about getting a letter from Binance saying, oh, by the way, that shit that you put, that you went all in on. Yeah, it's, it's over, dude, because, you know, nobody wants this shit. Anyway, continuing. While unconfirmed as of the time of writing, Walter Bloomberg has claimed in a tweet that Hong Kong's SFC says no entity in the Binance group is licensed or registered to conduct regulated activity in Hong Kong. If true... The development would confirm that mounting regulatory pressure on the world's largest cryptocurrency platform is continuing to hit its operations hard. In late April, there had already been reports that European and British regulators were scrutinizing Binance's offering of stock tokens for possible non-compliance with securities law. While initially not commenting on Binance in particular, Germany's Federal Financial Supervisory Authority, or BaFin, went on record at the time stating that, quote, fundamentally the following applies. If tokens are transferable, can be traded at a crypto exchange, and are equipped with economic entitlements like dividends or cash settlements, they represent securities and are subject to the obligation to publish a prospectus, end quote. BaFin soon mentioned Binance explicitly, noting its absence of published prospectuses for the stock tokens, Oh my God, you, you didn't publish a prospectus? Holy shit. Spring and summer of 2021 have been difficult for Binance on the regulatory front with multiple countries taking action against it or reportedly investing, investigating its operations from various compliance perspectives. In the United Kingdom, the Financial Conduct Authority opened the exchange or ordered the exchange to halt all regulated activity in the country. The same month, Japan's financial services agency accused Binance of operating in the country without proper registration and new measures against crypto exchanges in the Canadian province of Ontario prompted the exchange to cease all operations there. Binance looks like it's just going to burn. It's just going to crash and burn. And again, why do I DCA Bitcoin? Because I don't have to worry about whether, whether Binance burns to the ground or not. I don't give a shit. What it, what it, CZ's been acting like a fool ever since they started publishing or, or putting up every shit coin under the sun. And, you know, fine, fuck him. He deserves it anyway. I hate the guy. He's, in, he, I mean, the guy was, he, he, he lied to us. He said he was for Bitcoin. And then he started listing every shit coin imaginable without a care in the world of who gets wrecked. He's not an idiot. He knew it's, it's just a, a blazing casino and it was bound, it was bound to fail. And now he's getting his ass handed to him because he didn't follow two simple things. A, become decentralized and do it fast. B, don't list shit coins. If you're going to be an exchange, <clears throat> be a regulated exchange that uses Bitcoin as part of your portfolio of the legacy financial bullshit. 
All right, if you have to, if you just have to run a casino, you might as well do it that way. But this whole DeFi and BNB and Stockcoin and all this shit, it was bound, it was bound to be lit on fire by somebody, and that's exactly what's happened. Now, old man yells at Bitcoin. BlackRock CEO seeing no demand for crypto. So Larry Fink flip-flopping. Okay, he's flip-flopping. This will probably be his third time where he says something like this. And twice during like, you know, twice in between those three, these three times, he's been bullish on Bitcoin. And now he's, now he's not again. Is this really the CEO of a hedge fund of this magnitude that you want to see? It certainly isn't what I want to see. Why? Because the motherfucker can't make up his mind. And if you're a CEO of a company, you better just publish a position and stick to it. God almighty, man, I swear to God, Nathaniel Whitmore is writing this one for Coindesk. Um, Cryptocurrencies were once a hedge fund that could no longer be ignored, but now Larry Fink sees very little investor demand for crypto. Yeah, it's because you're only dealing with the richest one quarter, you know, of the world, dude. Now, Let's see, BlackRock made headlines when it entered the crypto market because it viewed Bitcoin as a hedge play that could no longer be ignored. But now they find themselves in a changed landscape as Bitcoin prices have fallen from all-time highs. Uh, Shapeshift, a global digital asset trading platform, platform was created with the vision of minimizing user-collected data. That vision was tarnished in 2018 when the platform began requiring basic information, resulting in a 95% loss of its user base. <laughs> Shapeshift's tumultuous history has added another chapter today with the announcement that it is converting to a decentralized autonomous organization, or DAO, owned by its users. Is this one step in a greater trend of fundamentally shedding corporate organization power structures? The Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell countered Vice Chairman Randall Quarles' pro-stablecoin stance in a recent testimony before Congress, while Quarles asserted successful stablecoins would make a U.S. central bank digital currency redundant, Powell offered the opposite opinion, quote, you won't need stablecoins, you wouldn't need cryptocurrencies if you had a digital U.S. currency whose stance will win in the growing stablecoin versus CBDC debate. So yeah, this is just, I mean, there's like, this is quite a, you know, a rundown of what's gone on over the last, you know, couple of days, but having Larry Fink, um, I just wanted to bring the, the whole Larry Fink thing in here because dude, you cannot flip flop like this. I don't see, I don't see how this is the third time that he's, this is the third time that he's flip flopped. The honestly, man, that's just, that's bad news for, for BlackRock investors. I'm sorry. It just is. Now, Square is going to create a new Bitcoin platform for financial services, says James Rubin out of Coindesk. Payments services company Square will create a new business focused on creating an open developer platform to make it easier to provide non-custodial decentralized financial services, the company CEO Jack Dorsey announced in a series of tweets on Thursday. Dorsey tweeted that the still-to-be-named division's primary focus would be Bitcoin. He wrote that the initiative, which will be led by Mike Brock, would be completely in the open. Open roadmap, open development, and open source, Dorsey tweeted. Brock heads the company's strategic development group. The new division will differ from Square Crypto in that Square will provide direction as well as funding for its work, Dorsey tweeted. Square Crypto is working on the Lightning Development Kit. Dorsey noted that the company would be establishing Twitter and GitHub accounts to provide updates on that project. 
Last week, Square announced it plans to build a hardware wallet for Bitcoin to make self-custody of the cryptocurrency more mainstream. He noted that as with the hardware wallet, development for the new financial services platform would be done completely in the open. So we don't know too much about what he's, what he's got going on here, but he just keeps, see, this is, this is consistency. You may hate Jack, I get it. He, I mean, he allows censorship on his platform. Of course, and again, we're all pretty much, you know, clear that he doesn't really get to control what Twitter does. I don't think he's got that much voting, voting right, but I get what you're saying. But when it comes to Bitcoin, the guy's been solid, dude. He's not flip-flopping like Elon Musk or, you know, Larry Fink or any of these other dipshits that are out there. He's actually a pretty solid guy, man. So good on you, pal. Good on you. Let's move on. Republican Senator. Oh, Chuck Grassley. You know, the picture of him. He just looks like he's already in a coffin. I hate to be that way, but dude, ugh, Danny Nelson, tell me more, Coindesk. Republican Senator highlights Bitcoin's battle in shedding criminal baggage. Uh, <clears throat> last Thursday, Senator Chuck Grassley, Grassley from Iowa, the Senate Judiciary Committee's top Republican, warned <coughs> sorry, the Biden administration's acting drug czar that Bitcoin is fueling $76 billion in illegal transactions every year. He cited researchers who used 2017 data to determine that nearly half of all Bitcoin activity is illicit. <laughs> What makes cryptocurrency dangerous is that users have the ability to remain anonymous. Oh, well, Grassley said in an open letter to the Office of National Drug Control Policy Acting Director Regina LaBelle. He warned this feature makes it difficult for investigators to detect and catch narcos. Yeah, what were, how did you handle it when they were using cash? You might want to try that, Grassley. It seemed to work for you. Ah, whatever. However, Bitcoin is far from an autonomous or an, uh, an anonymous system. Indeed, as former Justice Department honcho Katie Juan or Han argued recently in the New York Times, Bitcoin's pseudonymous and public ledger have made it easier for federal authorities to track down ransom paid to the hacking group that ground the colonial pipeline to a halt. Beyond baseline misassumptions, there's a problem with Grassley's conclusions. Four cryptocurrency tracing companies told Coindesk they don't align with the facts. Quote, those figures are based on outdated and deeply flawed analyses, said Tom Robinson, chief scientist for Virginia-based investigations company Elliptic, which has counted the several U.S. agencies, including DEA and the uh, IRS, Immigration and Customs, and FBI as clients. Their agents know firsthand that Bitcoin is highly traceable. Quote, researchers disagree regularly uh, George Hartman, Grassley's deputy communications director, told Coindesk when asked for a comment, Senator Grassley cited a figure from academic research. The incident <clears throat> points to the image challenge Bitcoin faces in Washington, D.C., where policymakers eager for sound bites are quick to float sketchy data that demonizes a technology they might not understand. Researchers at Chainalysis said Merkel uh, and Merkel Science shared similar estimates with Coindesk percentage-wise, only a sliver of the multi-billion dollar Bitcoin market is flowing through drugs, ransomware, trafficking, and other nefarious deeds, they said. Chainalysis, the largest blockchain analysis company, has estimated crypto crime was $10 billion industry in 2020 when it comprised 1% of all transactions. That's a sizable jump from its 2017 estimates, around $7 billion 
at 0.7% of transactions, but well below Grassley's number, which he attributed to a 2019 policy memo on policybriefs.org. The memo summarizes a 2018 academic paper titled Sex, Drugs, and Bitcoin, How Much Illegal Activity is Financed Through Cryptocurrencies. It divined Grassley's quoted answer, $76 billion annually, by extrapolating on dark web address data, wallet explorers, and news reports, according to a source within the crypto research community. But the researchers attempt to trawl crypto's darker corners, uh, perhaps with too wide of a net, the source said after reviewing the author's methodology, just one hint of illicit activity in a wallet would taint the entire wallet under the researcher's methods. This has the primary effect of pumping up the amount of Bitcoin flagged as being suspicious, the source said. So there you go. It's Grassley's just full of shit. It, it's, and it's not because he made a mistake. And it's not because he, he cherry picked that because he doesn't like Bitcoin. He doesn't like Bitcoin because all of his power is tied to the U.S. dollar. And if he loses, if the U.S. dollar loses its you know, role in the world, he loses his role in the world. Bitcoin is a threat to all the dinosaurs because it is the asteroid that's basically going to take them all out. I, I, I hope it's soon. I really do. And that's not because I want to build a farm because that's what I would do if we hit like, you know, a million dollar a coin. That's, I'd, I'd flip one coin for a good tractor, a section of land that somebody thinks is infeasible to farm. And I would make it, I would, I would totally do it. But I I don't need I don't need that to get the satisfaction of watching somebody like Chuck Grassley be completely obliterated by Bitcoin landing right on top of Washington DC. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. I honestly don't know which is the bigger train wreck here. Let's start with the actual tweet itself from Matt Binder, who says, cue the crypto advocates telling the co-founder of Dogecoin that he just doesn't understand cryptocurrency and needs to do his research. He gets the honor. Matt Binder, this dumb son of a bitch gets the honor of, of holding the, uh, the train wreck title for today, even though he is retweeting Jackson Palmer, uh, one of the co-creators of Dogecoin, who is saying on July the 14th, after years of studying it, I believe that cryptocurrency is an inherently right-wing hyper-capitalistic technology built primarily to amplify the wealth of its proponents through a combination of tax avoidance, diminished regulatory oversight, and artificially enforced scarcity. Fuck you, Jackson Palmer. This is the exact thing you said when you created Doge in the first place. This is exactly what Jackson Palmer thought of Bitcoin before Doge was even created. And he said that he created Doge to make a mockery of Bitcoin and, and basically make fun of the entire space. And then Dogecoin was born and he could have gotten rich as shit off of it if he had, you know, held his bag of shit. But he didn't. He didn't. He sold it for a Toyota like, you know, in 2016 or something like that. 2015. But Matt Binder really doesn't understand this shit at all. I mean, Jackson Palmer, just him. I understand him. He doesn't like Bitcoin. I get it. Matt actually thinks that Jackson Palmer built Dogecoin and that he should be respected. He did not build Dogecoin. That was the other guy. 
He was the Jackson Palmer couldn't program himself out of a wet paper bag with holes in it if he was on fucking fire. He was he's just a marketer. That's all it was. Oh my god, and Matt Binder thinks he actually had something to do with it wasn't a doge isn't it's a fork of Litecoin. If you can if you can type in a command, you can get your own coin too. You didn't build it. And Matt Binder thinks that Jackson Palmer has some shit to say. Continuing with the train wreck, and, and I'm gonna read this from Marty Bent. Um, it's not his train wreck, it's somebody else's, but he says, Can anybody tell me what models these ASICs are? And ASICs are, and he's got a, a small video clip of a steamroller running over a field of Bitcoin miners. He says, apparently this is in Malaysia and that the authorities are punishing a miner who was siphoning energy from the grid illegally. But I mean, they lined them all out, like hundreds, hundreds of ASICs all out in this parking lot and they got a steamroller to flatten them all. It's pure theater, dude, pure theater. Okay, joke time, let's get to it. Hey man, I just bought a TV and it said built-in antenna. I don't even know where that is. Yeah, that's a good one. I love it. Hey, it's Friday. You guys go out, have fun. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.